Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. Thank you for listening to Exploring Missions. We hope this program uh, equips you. We hope it encourages you and uh, even activates you to be on mission for God because uh, if you've been saved, you're on mission. And we hope that this program will bless you. And a lot of times when we uh, look at things in our lives and we're watching others, we're watching how people respond under pressure. When everything is going good, that's the way it was with Job. Satan looked and said, who wouldn't want to serve God? But if you brought difficulty into Job's life, he would not serve you. He would even curse you to your face. That was what Satan thought of Job. Nathan, our host, Nathan Harper, people do watch to see what you do when the pressure is really on. Can I tell you a truth? I do as well. Yeah, it's uh, when you take a diamond and you want to display its clarity and its shine and its brilliance, you place it in front of a dark background, right? And so when the background of our lives or circumstances surrounding our lives are dark and are difficult, then what's inside shines clearer. And, you know, if we got Jesus, Jesus is going to shine clearer, and he can use that in our lives as we live on display for the Redeemer, for the Savior, for the Lord Jesus Christ. I was raised on the farm. We had cows. We milked, and we didn't have—it wasn't like a dairy farm, but we had cows that we milked for our own consumption. And uh, every once in a while, the bucket that I would milk in would be full, and uh, I'd be headed home. And I know a few times when I was headed from the barn to our house, saw a snake or two. I wasn't fond of snakes, I admit that. And I'd start running, and when I started running, the bucket would start moving around, the milk would splash out. Here's what I came out. Whatever that bucket was full of is what would come out when you're shaken. Mm. And so the whole idea is when we're shaken, what comes out of us? Is it praise? Is it complaint? What is it when when things are difficult? What comes from us? That's the reason you put the Word of God in you. Uh, The Word of God comes out. I remember when over in the first part of the book of Acts, they were told, do not preach anymore in Jesus' name. And they kept on doing it. So then they beat them, sent them back, and it says the place was shaken. And God was approving it. It was approving of what they had done. And guess what they did? They went back and did They did the same thing yeah. that got them into trouble because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus was real to them. So what we're talking about is when difficulty comes, how do you respond? And uh, I love the stories in the New Testament, how they'd come to Jesus. Jairus in Mark chapter 5, 
He comes to Jesus, says, my daughter is dying, is dead. Would you come? So Jesus heads that way, and on his way, he gets interrupted. That's the woman who had the issue of blood, touched his right. garment, and was healed. On his way to do a miracle, he does a miracle. Yeah. Isn't that, that's, that's neat. It really is. And when he got there, he raised her from the dead. I think of Eutychus. One of my favorite, again, I, I think I use that word a lot, favorite. I got a lot of favorites, you know. <laughs> Acts chapter 20, Paul is long-winded in preaching, and there's this young man up in the third tier, and he falls asleep, falls to the floor. Paul's able to raise him up. We don't know all the things about everything about it, but we see God doing these things in the midst of difficulty. Mm-hmm. So difficulty, I think more people are watching. And therefore, it becomes a missional opportunity, does it not? It does. You know, C.S. Lewis said that God shouts the loudest through pain. And it's not just for the person who's experiencing the pain and suffering to hear God's voice, although that's true as well. But it's for those around that are observing. And so if you think about we all have been given, if you've been redeemed and saved and your life has been changed by Jesus— then you have a testimony. You have a story of how Jesus changed your life. But if you think of the word testimony in just the English word testimony, well, the first four letters are the word <laughs> test. And you really see someone's testimony. You see the, you hear their story clearly of how Jesus has changed their life when they have gone through or experiencing a test in their lives. And many times a test biblically, will come from God. Other times, tests, what we could call a test, actually comes from just living in this fallen world and and living in a place that has experienced generations of curses. Sometimes the test even comes from the evil evil one and his influence uh, in this world. So there are lots of tests that we're faced with. Some are critical or, or very difficult, like death even. And then Through our tests, we can give testimony of God's grace and his love for us, but also the good news of Jesus, how he loves everyone, and he can change their lives as well. And it's ultimate for his glory. That's right. When we read the book of Revelation, we see those people who came out of great tribulation, the great tribulation, what did they do? They had died, but what did they do? They were singing all glory, power, and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe suffering helps us identify with Christ. Yeah. And so in this testimony today, you're going to hear a story. I think that will bless your life. If you listen to it, you'll find out I got a little bit excited about what God was doing. And uh, it's, it's good to be able to share what God is doing in your life because that helps us to share the mission that Jesus saves. Today on Exploring Missions, we've got special guest, and we're so excited about this. Again, uh, we're uh, doing this from Grapevine, Texas, where the National Religious Broadcasters Meeting is, and uh, we're just getting to meet a lot of neat people. And one of the people that we've met just today as we're recording this is Jonathan and Jonathan is is Logan's dad. Yes, sir. And their last name is Watts. Yeah, W-A-T-T-S. Okay. And the name of the film that we're going to be discussing is Logan's Story. Yes, we're sir. We're excited about that. But it sure did sound like a family 
uh, I would say a family tragedy, a family victory, and now family story. Amen. That's a good way to put it. Is that right? Yes, sir. Well, Jonathan, we appreciate you being here from Hammond, Louisiana. I live in Livingston, Louisiana. I pastor of Victory Baptist Church in Hammond, Louisiana. Okay. Just right down the road. Okay. And you have two children? Have three children. Three? Yeah. Okay. My daughter and wife are back home. She's playing basketball in Pensacola right now. Okay. <laughs> but uh, me and the boys made it to this conference, and I'm so glad God opened this door, uh, an opportunity to share his story and share the gospel with the world Amen. around us. Well, we're proud. And introduce your two sons. This is Logan Watts, who the the story is about. He was uh, in a tragic accident back in 2011, but he is 16 now. That was 10 years ago. And, boy, he has really let God use his uh, testimony in his life. And uh, and he just has a desire to win people to Christ like I've never seen. I appreciate God using my children that way. And this is Colton Watts, his little brother. He's our youngest. Uh, he's 12 years old, and uh, he's a very intelligent young man, very outgoing, has a tendency to make friends anywhere he goes. And uh, God's used to really used him in uh, helping to spread the story as well. Guys, thank you for being here. Logan, appreciate it, man. Appreciate you coming. Thank you. Yeah. Colton? Thank you for being here. Get a little closer to that microphone. Thank you. Thank you, man. It's good. 12 years old. That's good. I I remember 12. It was a year or two ago, though. But it was a great time. (laughs) That was a fun time. Those were fun. (laughs) Listen, those years, 11, 12, and 13, nothing like it for a little boy. And I don't know about any any other age, but those ages are great. Well, Jonathan, I want you to tell us the story. But first, tell us what Logan's story. It's a film that's... uh, coming out yes sir we've uh with god has opened the door we've had people tell us for years going through this uh that they ought to use this in some type of film or documentary and uh we've always said you know if god wants that to happen he'll open the doors because i didn't know anything about this uh this industry whatsoever and we waited for years which we were busy through those years so god's time is perfect and uh and now god really did open the doors and put us in touch with some people that really were uh familiar with this business and been in a very long time very talented uh brother chris rogers and miss barbara sundstrom and they they came down to louisiana and helped us film this documentary over several weeks time and put lots and lots of work into it and we're so thrilled to be able to share his story with the world is logansdocumentary.com and you can look it up online and it is available there and uh with our goal through all of this has always been to reach hurting people uh, I've always had a, a belief that if you minister to hurting people, you'll never run out of ministry. Guess who that is? Everyone. Everyone. I haven't met them. I heard one great preacher say you're either uh, headed to trouble, in trouble, or just getting out of trouble. trouble. It's one of those things, and I think that is life. Yes, sir. Well, we're yes, glad sir. to have you here, and we're glad to make this connection. So what I want you to do, and I'm not going to interrupt too much because I've heard the story, and I think me interrupting would disqualify <laughs> this. Tell the story about what Logan's story is about. Well, look, we have to start from the beginning, if I'm going to be honest. And uh, my wife and I were married in 2004, and we had planned on waiting a few years before having children, as most people do. But then one year later, uh, <laughs> we were married April 9th, and then Logan was born on April 1st. And, uh, you know, God knows what he's doing, though. And through even the pregnancy, I can tell you that that devil was already working because it was twice that the doctor told her that she had a need, needed to have a DNC. There was no heartbeat. 
and uh, and basically that would have been an abortion in our eyes, and of course we weren't comfortable with that. And I, I man, I I got to give credit to my God and my wife through the strength they had to go through that. She first time was at the doctor by herself. I wasn't able to be there and and hearing that kind of news and have, having the strength to have faith to make the right decision. And uh, and God, it seems like the devil's been against Logan since before he even got here. He was born April 1st, 2005, and God has really just always had his hand on his life. He was just a spiritual child. And uh, growing up, you could just tell he had a, he had a touch from God like, like it's just not common. And I have three kids, and they all have great gifts, and I'm so thankful for them. And God uses every one of them in different ways. And, uh, but when Logan was, he was only five years old in uh, March 2011, and I had surrendered to preach in February 2011 after owning a construction company. And God really kept me busy and blessed that business. And uh, But he was turning me in a different direction, which was very uncomfortable for me. I was not a public speaker by any means and terrified of it, to be honest. And, Join the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> and, but God opened doors. He really did. And we were riding on cloud nine. I mean, we had a great family. I had a wonderful wife, three wonderful children. I mean, things were just going phenomenal. God was opening doors for me to speak. At, uh, at different places, and, and it was just amazing. People watching people get saved, and and I felt like, man, this is just this is wonderful. And then in March, uh, in that same year, 2011, is I was preaching with our teen class one Sunday morning. The teens were in the back during big church, and um, and after we got done, I led one young man to Christ, and and Logan had come in there with me. Just he was too young, but he was my son, so he come in there. He liked to come with daddy, of course, and. And we walked out of there, and he was just crying crocodile tears. I'm talking about just emotional, like you can't put on. And and he was pulling on my arm and saying, Daddy, I, I need to get saved. And uh, and I said, Logan, we'll talk about it when we get home. So I'm always very cautious dealing with children. And and, uh, and he said, no, Daddy, I need to get saved. And I said, look, buddy, we'll talk about it later. And he, he looked up at me and said, what if we don't make it home? <laughs> and uh, I said, we'll talk about it right now. Yeah, that's and, that uh, desperation. Yes, you like sir. to see a little bit with children. Absolutely. It helps, helps you when you see that. I yeah, like to see it with real. adults. Yeah, 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 you really <laughs> and, uh, do. But was, I, I love God said, uh, you know, not to forbid the children from coming to him. And I've always been cautious. But, you know, it's that childlike faith that we all need sometimes. And I brought him to a man in our church that I trusted uh, to talk to him because I didn't want to just talk to me. I knew he'd tell me what I, whatever I wanted to hear. And uh, and after about 15 minutes or so, they both came out of the office crying crocodile tears. And, and he said, Brother Jonathan, he said, I couldn't shake him. He said, that boy knows he needs to get saved. Knew he was lost and knew he needed to accept Jesus. And uh, he got baptized shortly after. And was winning people to Christ, bringing people to church. I went to check him out of school one day, and which my wife usually dealt with all that because I was always at work. And we were going to a revival meeting out of town, and I had to go check him out. And when I walked in the office, the principal said, "You're Logan's dad." And I said, "Yes, ma'am, I am." I didn't know what was coming next, and and she said, "He has invited every person at this school." to come to church and ask them if they knew Jesus. I said, is that right? She said, yes, sir. She was crying telling me that. She said, that boy just has a touch on him, and I thank God for it. Amen. I really do. Amen. But it was May of that same year, and uh, we took our Sunday school class canoeing at our camp in Mississippi, in Liberty, Mississippi, and, and uh, we got done with all those festivities, you know, and had a little picnic lunch and such, and we're about to load the bus back up and bring everybody back. And we were playing on a swing that was in front of my camp. It was just a rope swing from an oak tree. And, and uh, I was swinging Logan on that, on that swing. And 
and uh, my wife was sitting at the picnic table there, and she had just told me, uh, she said, that is, that's way too high. You need to stop or slow it down. And, of course, hard-headed me, I didn't listen and swung him one more time, and he uh, lost his grip and, and fell off, hit the back of his head uh, on a root there. And, and when I picked him up off the ground, he was completely lifeless. There was I could not find a pulse. He was not breathing. Uh, he was pouring blood out of both of his ears. Uh, just my little six-year-old boy. So healthy a moment ago. I mean, in literally a split second's time, his whole world's turned upside down. And he's, I can, if I could tell people anything, you, you never know what difference a, a moment might make. Yeah. You never, never know what difference a day might make. Yes. It says, the Bible says, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for you know it's not what a day may bring forth. And uh, I picked him up off the ground and got on an ATV and, and four-wheeler and rode to the nearest house. We didn't have phone service at the camp and called 911. We waited. They air met, air met him eventually to Jackson, Mississippi. And, uh, and when we got there, I could, it was about 40, 50 people from our church were there almost immediately, three and a half hours from home. I mean, dropped what they were doing and drove there. And uh, thank God for our church. Amen. I don't know if anybody's listening or be listening to this, and uh, I know people go through hard times and and such. But God initiated the church for a reason because we need each other. We do. We're not an I, island, are we? No. We need we, each other. I need you, and you need me, and we all need Him. And uh, and we, we, you need to be a part of a Bible preaching, Bible believing church. It'll make a difference in the hard Amen. times in your life, Amen. and it'll bring you joy in the good times of your yeah, life. It's, so y'all are in Jackson, Mississippi. We were in Jackson, Mississippi, in intensive care area. Yes, sir. And they had him in an isolated room in an intensive care area, and uh, very restricted on people seeing him coming in and out. But they were. Uh, at first, didn't give us much hope of him making it through the night. They let everybody that was there come in and see him two at a time in the emergency room. You know, they've just figured, I think, in their head, we'll keep him alive for now, and, and uh, that'll be it. But we got him into intensive care, and we spent about six weeks in there, it's, uh, which a day in the hospital feels like eternity anyway. But uh, we spent about six weeks in there, and it was bad news every day. We didn't hardly get any hope whatsoever. And uh, they were just, you know, hooking machines up to him, had IVs running through every part of his body, it seemed like. And, and uh, But we were standing on a little bit of hope, you know, thinking, you know, one day he's going to show up, one day he's going to wake up, one day. We didn't know what to expect. We hadn't, we weren't familiar with this type of situation at all. After all this time, it went by. One evening, uh, they sent doctors and had even psychiatrists come up with them and were telling us, uh, you know, we've done everything medically possible that we can do. And uh, said these Logan's is absolutely uh, brain dead. They said that we don't, we're not getting any response out of him. Uh, they've, they've tried pinching him, poking him, flashing lights, making sounds. They've tried everything they could to get some kind of uh, response. Of course, they had uh, things hooked up all over his body, and they just said he was, there's no brain activity whatsoever that we can that we can detect. And and he said there's nothing else we can do. Tomorrow we're going to have to start making hard decisions, start turning down and turning off uh, the machines that are keeping him alive. And uh, we had not told anybody that. I mean, everybody that talked to us, we we're trying to give him a little bit of hope and say, no, he's doing good, he's fine, he's stable. 
which I guess he was hooked up to machines, but that's all the only reason. And and uh, we went back to the hotel that night. And I'll be honest, I was falling to pieces this whole time. I I never you, were you fe- were you feeling guilt? Absolutely. After yeah, uh, extreme guilt. I mean, uh, I've never in my life had dealt with anxiety or depression or anything of that nature. And be honest with you, my attitude up as a young man up at that point was, you know, people all just snap out of it, get over it, and go on with life. That was, I mean, it's kind of cold, but that's how I felt up until then, until I dealt with it. Yeah. And I realized that's a deep hole. That's a deep dark hole. Yeah. And uh, and it's not just so easy that somebody can think their way out of it. And uh, my wife was the rock of our relationship going through this. And I thank God for that. Yeah. Isn't that because, something how, you know, we, we talk and we we need each other. You've already said that we need God. But it's amazing who steps out and yeah. steps up at critical times. Sometimes it's the wife. Sometimes it's the husband. Right. But at this time, your wife's just stood there she did amen and she didn't have to you know she could have she'd had every right to be mad at me because i was in the wrong and uh, i think of logan all the time and think man i'm i'm sorry because it's daddy's fault you could have a normal life and not have to go through all this stuff if i would just you know listen if i would have just uh not had to been you know so arrogant and just whatever but i mean i i if she if my wife would have turned against me and be mad at me i'd have understood it and i wouldn't have blamed her but she she did too amen we praise the lord uh, well as logan was there and no hope a lot from the medical field praying seeking the lord other people were lifting you up they were they were and we knew people around the world literally because we were friends of missionaries everywhere in churches we'd been involved in ministry all our life and and uh, we knew people were praying, but if I'd be honest with you, uh, through this time, I'm thinking to myself, almost like, God, where are you at? Because day after day after day, we weren't getting good news. And I wasn't feeling any better. I was feeling worse. And, uh, and it felt like my whole life was absolutely falling apart. And I was praying and praying and praying like I'd never prayed before in my life. And could I tell somebody that may be listening, you know, you want to learn about prayer. You go buy all the books you want, listen to all the series you want, but if you really want to learn about prayer, get a problem. You have a problem, you'll learn how to pray. <laughs> Calling upon him. Amen. And, uh, but well, when did when did Logan start showing and giving you guys hope? He didn't until we went back to the hotel that night, read about James, and uh, like I was telling him, the pastor called around midnight. Uh, which was very odd for him. Called us around midnight that night, and we told him we had not told anybody else outside of me and my wife how, that they were planning on unhooking him. And, uh, and he said, Jonathan, I just can't get you off my mind, can't get you off my heart. He said, I hate to call you this late. And I said, no, that was the Holy Spirit uh, that told you to call me. <laughs> and We told him what we were reading, and we told him what was going on. He said, sir, we'll be there the next morning. They let him in two at a time. Uh, him and 16 men from our church rode up there. They were at 8 o'clock the next morning, and uh, which is a three-and-a-half-hour drive. He had to call them in the middle of the night, too. I thank God for our church. And, <laughs> and they were up there 8 o'clock the next morning and then came in two at a time, anointed him with oil, and uh, which the doctors thought was kind of stupid. They've just pretty much given up on him already. Right. Well, that evening, he started moving a finger. And they said, well, that's just nerves. You know, you cut the head off a snake and it'll still move. That ain't nothing to get excited about. 
uh, but we'll give him a little more time. And then the next day he started moving a leg, and <laughs> and uh, it's just nothing on purpose, you know. It was just twitching and, right. and stuff, but it was movement. It, it was something. And I was yeah. like, well, something's going on in his brain for that to be moving. And uh, and then after about a few more days, he started breathing with the machine a little bit. And, uh, and this is after how many? How long? It's about six weeks. It's after there. six weeks. Okay. So uh, he'd been in there for a while. Yeah. And uh, and he started doing something. After that, it was something every day. Yeah. And he didn't just wake up all of a sudden. And I could show you all videos if we had the opportunity, but you can see it in the documentary, a lot of things that he went through. Uh, but he did something else every day until it was probably four weeks after that, at least, until we first got a cognitive response out of him. Yeah. Something on purpose. You so know? it was progress from then yes, on, sir. little by little, with therapy yes, and your wife involved, you involved. <laughs> and the reason time is getting uh, real close. And so he's here to, with us today. Yes, sir. Man, 16-year-old, fine-looking young man yeah he I loves to work that. out now that's his thing is that right yeah y'all yeah. see his biceps that boy he's a gym rat now <laughs> well, he I can, any gym. I, he's feeling that shirt out <laughs> yeah. those, those muscles are, are showing god up god is really blessed i know time tell us a little bit about the film uh it's out and yeah. people can go to where to find it the logan documentary.com okay and it is on their website there they have some trailers some other clips uh, from the from the film and other clips outside of it as well that you can watch, but you can buy the film there or rent it or order a DVD. All three ways, and it the film is tremendous. It uh, they did a first class job putting everything together. Uh, my wife and I, my kids, uh, my in laws, and as well as my parents are involved in it. Even some friends of Logan's that went through some of this stuff. And yeah. and there's so many different angles that you can watch this film and get help. And that's our that's our whole uh, mentality here as missions. We want to help people. And, uh, and I think there's things that you can learn in there about family, uh, you know, because our, as a husband and wife, we struggle through some of this stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to tell you everything's a bed of roses, but it's not. Yeah. Uh, there's major decisions that had to be uh, made. There was a lot of forgiveness had to be given and a lot of love that had to be given. And uh, we had to rise above, you know, a lot of the challenges. And, and only through God. Only through God. I, I'd have never made it through this without being a yeah. Christian. I feel sorry for people that don't know Jesus. It is. Uh, and that's the reason we do this program. We want to give hope. Yes, sir. And the hope you're giving people today. Uh, Jonathan, yeah. Logan, and Colton is real. And that film's going to give a lot more hope. God's going to use it, and he's going to bless it, and we're going to see what God can do. Yeah, Jonathan, thank you so much. And I know we could talk about it much more. <laughs> Absolutely. But we could. But guess what? They can go to the film and get it and get the whole yeah. story, right? Y'all please go check it out. And if there's any way we can help, we want to be a blessing. We want to minister to people. And uh, and, and God bless every, every one of you. And I thank God for the opportunities he's given us. And can I tell you, if, how much time do we have? Go ahead. I want to say one thing that gets me when making this film is God answered our prayer. He came through for us in a big way, and Logan is still here. But I don't want anybody to feel guilty that's out there that has lost a child. And I can't sympathize. I can sympathize, but I cannot empathize with that. But I, we did come to a place where I knew Logan was born again, and I knew he was God's child. And I believe with all of my heart that God will give you the grace to use any situation for his glory and honor. Uh, as you read your Bible, it's full of problems. You take the problems out of the Bible, you wouldn't have any book left. <laughs> but when I read that Bible, I don't see a single one that he didn't solve. Yeah. And whatever you're going through in life today, know that God loves you. And Jesus loves you. 
and he wants to save you and he wants to hear from you. Amen. Jonathan, thank you. Thank you for listening to Exploring Missions. And we pray this has blessed you as it has blessed me. And while you're going through your troubles, all of us will. All of us have them. Trust Jesus. That was his mission, to come to us and make himself known. Trust him and let God have his way in your life.